0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Live with Doug. We are thinking through God's word together, coming to you live from Colorado, the state that is a bastion of freedom and devotion to the Constitution. Yeah, okay, that's not true. Anyway, (laughs) glad to have you along with us. We're gonna talk more about that, by the way, uh, on Friday. So uh, a little programming note here. I'm thinking about, and about 95% persuaded to change our Fridays from Fridays with the fellas to, I don't know, freedom Fridays or <laughs> something uh, to talk more about uh, a variety of things. I, the The original manhood discussion and so on was was good, but uh, I've got some other things in my mind that um, I, I We get a fair amount of women on Fridays as well they just don't comment as much but I hear about it later and uh and several ladies have reached out to me and said I listen to it and I listen to it with my son it's good for for my son anyway all that to say I think uh I think we're gonna switch gears Uh, I was gonna do this after the new year but I think I'm not gonna wait so uh Friday we're gonna do something different talk about current events talk about stuff I don't know I'm still formulating but basically it might be a day for me to just talk about whatever I want to (laughs) (laughs) whatever you want to. So that's the thought. Anyway, that's Friday. Today is Wednesday. And uh, we are studying Paul's letter to the Romans. So yeah, let's go there. My mind wants to go some other places, but we're not going to go there. So one of the things that uh, I hear Christians say all the time, fellow believers, people who come to our fellowship, uh, people who used to come to our uh, traditional church, especially with the younger uh, generations, at least they're the ones maybe most vocal about this. There is a strong desire for community. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Do you sense that? Do you do you experience that same longing? Um, And it seems like as again, especially the younger generations, as they're looking for churches at or near the top of the list is the sense of community. Whereas in days gone by, maybe it was uh, doctrinal unity confessions, creeds, denominational loyalty, that kind of thing. And then for a while, it seemed like it was so wrapped up in music. But I would say what I've heard more than just about anything else in recent years, or at least as strongly as those other things, is the desire for community. And as I have dug in a little bit to, to see what they mean by that, they mean they're they're sort of tired of the the church as spectator sport uh just going you, you know like what i in the 70s 80s 90s church really became the show not not every church of course but the the big mega churches the the show and then that has kind of waned thankfully And there's still a pursuit of doctrinal alliance, that kind of thing. But there is a growing desire to be, you know, they use words like authentic, real. And they keep coming back to this word community. So as I'm reading Romans 12 here, and it also is very similar to what we're doing in our home fellowship on on Sundays here in Ephesians, there, uh, Paul is admonishing the church to have community. Now, yesterday, we defined the word communication. Right? Remember that? Uh, the translation that I was reading from talked about communicating. Uh, in fact, what did it say? Uh, the necessities of the, of the holy ones communicating. Uh, pull that up here for you. And the idea was that we communicate with the saints regarding the needs. And you remember how we talked about that? That, that means uh, it's, the, it's the Greek verb form of the word koinonia, which means to, to have unity, oneness kind of idea. And communication at its root is to be unified together with. So to talk about verbal communication, if we understand things the same way, doesn't mean we agree, but we understand it the same way, we have communicated. Uh, Community is another form of that same word, that we are one with each other. So before we get to the text, just to kind of close the loop on all this, the longing for community will not be satisfied by going to a building and sitting in rows facing a leader or leaders who are talking at you. that does that does not satisfy the yearning for community. A lot of churches lost people during COVID. Because when churches shut down, those who had the means to do an online presentation and do them well, drew a lot of attention. You could, quote, unquote, attend any service you wanted to online. And what that exposed was, for so many, what happens on Sunday is no different from watching it on YouTube. Right? That's not community. That's not relationship and love. Paul is walking us through here what a renewed mind looks like a mind that is not conformed to this world, but that is transformed. And the admonitions, exhortations and examples all the way through have to do with unity, and love. If you've been with us, you've seen it all the way through unity, and love. That's what binds us together. I'm going to leave that there. So we see here the admonition in verse 15, rejoice with the rejoicing. What does it look like to have a renewed mind? It means you are hanging out with other believers. And when they are rejoicing, you rejoice with them. Again, you can't do that sitting in a service, right? It, this is this is about relationship. This is about living life together. Uh, Megan says, getting involved in a small group is vital. Yes, absolutely. Whether it's a formal program or not, we as believers have to be regularly living life together with other Christians so that we know when they're rejoicing and we can rejoice with them. we tend to do this as families. A good family does, right? Now, I know that sadly, not all of us come from good families. But those of us who do, we know that when a family member experiences a great blessing, the rest of us feel it and join with them in celebration. That's what the body of Christ should be doing. We're the We're the ultimate family. We're the permanent family by a blood relationship that is stronger than genetics. And we rejoice as God blesses us. Isn't it interesting that we we tend to sort of arbitrarily pick... um, Things to celebrate. I'm thinking of of birthdays, for instance. So you made it another year in the calendar. <laughs> Let's get together and and have a party. Now, obviously, you can you can make that into something worth celebrating. We're glad that the Lord gave you another year, that kind of thing. But you know the the old cliche: then the husband misses his wife's birthday, and it's you know it's the cardinal sin. It's awful. Like, really, what what's Um, what's the big deal (laughs) about making it another year? And that's fine. I mean, we celebrate our birthdays too, and that's great. But when our eyes are open to the vast blessing of God and something unexpected or something we've prayed for or just this really great gift the Lord has given we should that's that's the cause for rejoicing. You read through the psalms for instance and think about all the rejoicing that was going on in the psalms it's it's all about temporal blessings from God. We've talked about this in other contexts. I think we're we're afraid of that in the church today. It's like everything has to be this spiritual we're, we're too afraid of being worldly if we focus too much on God's gifts in the world and and yet that's what we are told about a lot. When when you're living together in community, you know, when God really pours out a, a gift and a blessing to someone and you can join with them in celebrating God's kindness in that. And then there's the other side, right? Weep with the weeping. There's a big difference between you know, in the announcement period or the "quote unquote" pastoral prayer, and somebody mentions that someone experienced this great loss, and there's kind of this somber feeling for a moment, and there's a prayer, and then you get on with the service and and you move on. That's not weeping with those who weep. But if we have renewed minds, we are living life together, and when someone in our congregation, in our group, experiences significant hardship, unexpected loss, or even expected loss, something worth grieving over. If you have a renewed mind, you take that on yourself, a sense of empathy, of joining with them and feeling that loss. Again, in our in our biological families, we do that sort of naturally If your parents or siblings or children suffer, you suffer with them. Well, we must cultivate that kind of relationship with other believers. That's what Jesus is building as he builds the church, a community. This is why I'm always harping on Church and worship is not a service, it's not a meeting or a meeting place, it's people. We have to be devoted to people, more so even than confessions and creeds. Those things very easily promote disunity and lack of community. When the scripture calls us to be joined to a people, I mean, think about what we've seen in Romans. These people are under attack by the Jews and Paul explains the truth and now he's calling them all to unity and to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The unity is based around their love for one another, even where they disagree. And we tend to put the creeds and confessions as the starting place for unity. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we should. Look what he says here. Of the same mind toward one another, not minding the high things, but the lowly going along, or with the lowly going along, do not become wise in your own conceit. Now, these are some hard phrases in English. And in the Greek, I mean, they're not that hard to under, to translate. It's just, what's he getting at here? Well, notice the repetition of the word mind. Same mind, not minding the high things and wise in your own conceit. This uh, wisdom, this word wise has to do with thinking. He's talking about having renewed minds. So be of the same mind toward one another. A renewed mind says, I'm thinking along with you, not minding, not thinking about the high things, but with the lowly going along. Uh, now, this is an interesting phrase because in the Greek, the lowly here could be neuter or it could be masculine. If it's neuter, then it's it's basically being being carried along with the lowly things in contrast to the high things. Uh, maybe menial tasks, menial things, or it could talk about be talking about the lowly people, or I suppose it could be both. In contrast to not becoming wise in your own conceit. How easy is it for us to pick out our precious things that are you know so valuable to us, and and now we we evaluate another Christian's worth or loyalty or how much we're going to love them if they agree with us. Instead of the starting place being, I'm devoted to you because you are a brother or sister in Christ. And we are going to pursue thinking the same way of each other and not allowing our preferences to bring division. Not not loving those who happen to agree with us more and what we think, and looking down upon those who don't. This is hard to do. This is much harder than drawing up a statement of faith and saying, okay, everyone who agrees with the statement of faith is welcome here. And we're all on the same team but if you disagree with my statement of faith then we're not on the same team and we're going to shun you we're we'll look down upon you where it becomes all very heady and abstract theological as opposed to saying i'm devoted to you as a person who believes the gospel and i'm just not going to allow our differences in understanding to get in the way of our love for one another. And if you are rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice with you. If you're weeping, I'm going to weep with you. I'm going to strive for us to think similarly because of our love for one another. That's so much harder. And for those of us who are drawn to um, intellectualism, and I put myself in that category I certainly used to be. it's hard it takes work to not let that become the standard of unity. Does that make sense are y'all is it is, is any of this resonating uh with you all? curious to what your thoughts are uh, Peter says uh in my church, whoops, see if I can make that bigger, I can, but, uh, huh, why is that not, uh, why is that not bigger, well, that's some bigger, anyway, in my church of about 800, this is not easy, I can see that those who have been in the church for a long time when the numbers were significantly smaller are closer. I think that is that is true uh, that is true everywhere um, sorry I'm sorry <laughs> messing with the text here yeah that it's really hard and that's where I think you know Megan is talking about the small groups and the importance of of that it can be it can certainly be better there, there's a way to cultivate this kind of relationship and unity in a in a smaller group. I will tell you this uh so our church uh when I left we were you know about 550 and uh, we had grown from you know less than half that. And then we uh we planted a church, we 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 Uh, sent some away. And And I would agree, those who were around longer, as we were growing, remained closer. We had what I thought was a pretty strong small group ministry. And what I realized coming out of that is, there is a difference when small group is a program of the church, as opposed to when that's all church is, is the small group. In other words, when we started meeting in our homes as a as a small fellowship, and that wasn't a program, it wasn't something you could opt into. There is a palpable difference. Um, when people come in and visit us, if they're not Really about community, they're not going to. They don't come back because we're not an exciting Sunday morning gathering. And I think I've, you know, I've I've shared this with you before. We people show up around ten o'clock, and some of them don't leave till ten p.m. Uh, We hang out all day long on Sunday and 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 several times through the week because we're living life together. It is not a program. It's not a. It's not a a ministry of the church. It is the church. And while I think small groups can accomplish some of this, it's hard when it's just a program. But the big deal is the big gathering in the building on uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, Caitlin says our congregation of about sixty has fellowship. Um, yeah, that the smaller churches uh, again, it's it's easier, right? Um, so I, I realize, you know, we all come from, we're all in different settings. I will say, you need to do your part, regardless of the format. You need to do your part to pursue these kinds of relationships. And if you are a church leader, I just want to challenge you. This is so important. It's in every New Testament letter. It's the pervasive admonition to the congregations is unity. Preserving the bond of peace. Uh, Loving one another. The one another's are not a sermon series. They're not tangential, they're not some things, they're not application, the one another's are the spirit inspired description of what the church is. And so as church leaders, we have to put far more emphasis on this and model it and show people lead people away from drawing hard, fast lines around abstract things and teach them to love and show them to love. It's way harder than teaching abstract truth. But it's what the scripture calls us to do. This is community. This is this is a renewed mind. I've said this again and again. There's nothing in the scripture about reading the Puritans, reading your favorite theologians, abstract theology, Grudem systematic theology. That is nowhere in the Bible. But loving one another is all over the Bible. That's how the world will know we're Christians. That's what he calls us to, to do. So we've got to do it. That's what a renewed mind does. It doesn't read theology, it loves. And it's hard give us some thought. We'll come back tomorrow and keep working our way through Romans. Have a great day.